0: If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians. I've never sang through a mask before. So we were not 100% sure how well that would be or how easy it would be to breathe and sing and everything at the same time. So I'm thankful... We're a group of musicians who are able to adapt, so we'll sing another song at the conclusion. Philippians chapter number four, we're going to begin uh, this morning taking a look at the first five verses of chapter number four, and we're going to take a look at the strength of the believer, the strength of the believer. We saw in chapter number 1, the life of the believer. We saw in chapter number 2, the mind of the believer. Chapter 3, the desire of the believer. And here in chapter 4, the strength of the believer. Look with me, if you would, at uh, Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crowned. So stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudius and beseech Sintiki. And it depends on where you grew up north or south that might be Sintiki. But that they be of the same mind in the Lord and I entreat thee also true yoke fellow help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other, my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Let's continue for just a little bit. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Can we take a look at verse 8 together? Perhaps you read along, or if you were uh, uh, with me when we committed this to memory, Philippians 4, 8, perhaps you can quote it by memory. Verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God... Thank you that we do have things that we can think on. Thank you, Father, for not leveling any unreasonable expectation upon us. But, Father, you, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave to us simple yet profound things that we must do. We pray, Father, that you would help us this morning... As we get into your word, Father, that you would hide me behind any personal pride or arrogance that might get in the way of presenting humbly your truth. I pray, Father in heaven, that you would guide us to grow closer to you, to become more like you, to be conformed to the image of your dear son. We'll be very careful to praise you because that's what we want to do this morning, to praise and worship the God who so loved that he gave. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. As we enter this final section of this letter from Paul, we have the reminders that While the three previous targets may be out of reach normally, and what I mean by that is chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, and how the life of the believer, it was summed up in verse number 21, for me to live is Christ, and then how the... Uh, the mind of the believer in chapter number 2 was set forth uh, in Philippians 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Then in our last chapter, chapter 3, we saw the desire of the believer. We saw that uh, spelled out for us in chapter 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Those things we may look at and wonder to ourselves, how in the world am I going to accomplish this? Just the very first one, chapter number one, right out in the open, uh, for me to live is Christ and so the 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 life of the believer ought to be that uh, the, that I would desire that every aspect every part every moment of my life be centered around the person of Jesus Christ so you're telling me that we can't have hobbies we can't have jobs we can't go I did not say that But let those things be wrapped around the person of Jesus Christ. If I enjoy golf, let me do it to the glory of God. I can do that. But guess what? I really don't enjoy golf. So that's an easy one for me to pass up. But there are certain things that I do enjoy. I enjoy working with my hands. I enjoy uh, spending time with my family. I enjoy wrestling around with my children. I love those things. And so what I do is my entire life needs to be wrapped around the person of Jesus Christ. So as I husband, as I father, I do this. And some may say, well, that's impossible. You're right. Chapter number 2, then, gives to us not the the life of the believer, but the mind of the believer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He was a humble individual, and he put others first all the time. We talked about this uh, to the extent that he would, uh, he told his disciples, he says, a new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you without thought for myself. I'm not worried about me. I'm doing this for you. One may say, well, it's impossible for me to live that way, Pastor. You're right. You're right. Chapter number 3 comes in and says uh, in verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The desire of every believer ought to be to know Jesus Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, to be conformed unto his death. In other words, a sacrificial, selfless life and, and and for me to know more about Christ, everything in my life ought to be uh, geared around. If, if I come into a problem and I start to examine the problem, I must examine it in light of Jesus Christ. You remember back in the 90s, everybody and their brother had a WWJD bracelet on. Even the people who had no idea who Jesus was were slapping WWJD on themselves. When I was uh, uh, 17 or 18 years old, I worked in a shoe store. And if you've never worked in a shoe store, I encourage you to try it sometime. It will be a very humbling activity for you. It certainly was for me. And we had on the counter at this shoe store, we had this big bucket of multicolored WWJD bracelets. And it was amazing. You know, you'd see some people go, oh, mine's getting tattered and worn, and I want to put a new one on. And then you'd find some, they'd have like 50 of them up their arm, and and I guess it was cool to have more than just one. But then you'd have some, you know, here comes a fellow with a Budweiser T-shirt. Every third word out of his mouth was a cuss word, and he goes, I want one of them too. (laughs) Everybody had a WWJD bracelet on, right? But that ought to be the mindset. What would Jesus do in this situation? But we've got to be careful with those things because then if we're not cautious, we become the determining factor of what Jesus would do. And everybody says, well, what would Jesus do in this situation? And somebody says, well, Jesus would do this. Another person says Jesus would do that. And so, pastor, it's (laughs) it's impossible. And so chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, Pastor, you're setting things, you're setting us up for failure. But chapter 4 gives us the hinge pin of all three. I want you to take a look with me at verse 13 because this is the key verse of chapter number 4. Notice what he says. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Do You see that? It is impossible for me in my natural condition to desire Him. It is impossible for me to have the mind of Christ in my natural state. It is impossible for me to have my entire life living for Him in my natural condition. But with Christ, now I can. And this is the direction that we want to focus as we enter into chapter number four because it takes away all of the, uh, uh, the concerns. It takes away all the arguments. It takes away all the issues. Well, I can't do that, Pastor. You're right. You can't. But he can through you. Now we come to the first few verses of chapter number four. You see... The truth is that we who are born-again, blood-bought, born-again Christians are indwelt and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the truth of Scripture. And so if I'm not cautious even though the Holy Spirit of God is empowering me to accomplish whatever is set before me by God, as we examine this passage, let us be reminded uh, that it is God who works in you and we must work it out. If I say I cannot work it out, that is to say, he is not working in. we got to be careful with this. Because if you you would remember, if you go back to chapter number 2, We talked about this when we were in chapter 2. He says in verse number 12, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If God is working in us, and I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, that I can work it out. Now, with that being said, let's take a look at the first few verses here of chapter 4. Therefore, he says, my brethren, dear, dearly beloved and longed for my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Let's stop for just a moment and notice a few things here. There are five commands listed in these first eight verses. Five commands listed. Stand fast in verse number one. Verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. Verse number five, let your moderation be known unto all men. Verse number six, be careful for nothing. And then verse number 8, think on these things. As we take a look at the first charge, we cannot help but notice the example that Paul brings up in these uh, these verses here. Notice what he says. He says at the very end of verse number 1, So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then he gives us some examples. Uh, To stand fast or to stand firm is simply this, to be unwavering in faith and determined in my purpose or direction. This is what it means to stand fast. And and, and what the Apostle Paul is saying is not to be unmovable in everything that you like, dislike, don't want to do, do want to do. What he is saying is to stand fast, and he gives to us where we are to stand fast. Notice what he says. He says, stand fast in the Lord. This is where we stand. This is where we draw the line. This is where we be must be unmovable. As far as the word of the Lord is concerned, if the word of the Lord says do this, then we stand firm on doing this. If the word of the Lord says do not do this, we stand firm on not doing this. This is where we draw the line in the sand. And the moment someone tries to come along and someone decides that they want to come against what God's word has to say, that's where we stop and we stand still. No, I will not budge. You'll notice the Apostle Paul also says in the book of Ephesians in talking about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We wrestle with something else. Catch what is being told to us here. He says, I want you to stand fast, not on a group, not on your specific parties, not on your traditions, not on your specific wants and likes and dislikes, but in the Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me if you would. Book right before this one. Ephesians chapter 4, and let's take a look that the only way to stand firm is to mature. Notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. Look at verse fifteen or verse 14 with me. That we be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But, speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Maturity to the Christian means simply this, growing more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. That is maturity. Not how much of the Bible I have Memorized, or how many times I have read through the Bible in a year, or how many times I have uh, had my name on the attendance roll, or this, that, or the other. Maturity to the Christian simply means this Do I look more today like Jesus Christ than I did yesterday? That's the question that we must ask ourselves. Not do I look better than the person across the street. Certainly not, have I attained the same level as brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. No. Do I look more like Jesus? This is where our focus must lie. You see, the immature, they bounce between ideas. Maturity brings settlement. The immature will vacillate between, well... I like this liberty. I think you can't do that. I think you can do this, but I don't want to do that. Well, I think we need to be over here. Well, you know what? This preacher says this. Well, that preacher says that over there. Well, wait a minute. This church does this. Well, wait a minute. That church, you see, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, I got my feelings hurt by this one over here, so I'm going to go over here, and hopefully they won't do the same thing. Well, they just did the same thing, so I'm going back to the original spot. And well, But maturity says, I just want to be like Jesus. And so I, I can listen to that guy and I can listen to that guy. But I want to be like Jesus. Not like that guy. and Certainly not like this guy. And I definitely don't want to be like that one. <laughs> By standing in Christ, we grow spiritually mature. If you were to flip over to, Colossians, the book right after Philippians here. Colossians chapter number two. Notice in verse number six, if you would please. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. "...as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power." By standing in Christ, we do grow spiritually. That's the only way. Not by standing in what some person says or what some group decides or what somebody else thinks, but by standing in Him. You'll notice in, back here in Philippians again, in verse number 2. He says, I beseech Iodias and beseech Sintiki." that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Notice what he says there about being in the same mind. Now, many believe Paul to be a sexist, and I, I don't believe that that could be anywhere close to the truth of Scripture. Paul actually uh, affirms uh, women very highly, holds them in very high esteem. Uh, the, the Word of God itself does this. If you were to go back to Romans chapter sixteen, let's look at Romans chapter sixteen for an example. And while you're turning to Romans chapter sixteen, I want you to think for a moment when Paul's talking to Timothy about the uh, uh, about the way um, he had people investing in him. What does he re- reference? He says how you were taught by your mother and your grandmother. He even as scripture gives. To, uh, uh, these two women, their names, lays them out for all of uh, history to be able to read and notice. And what does he say about the father? Hey, he was a Greek. That's what you want to be remembered for, right? Well, he had a, a godly mother by the name of... Uh, he had a dad, too. Whoa! But Look at Romans chapter 16 with me. Look at verses 1 through 4. This is Paul. He's, uh, he's giving his greetings. He says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is the servant of, uh, of the church, which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a, a, a succour of many and of myself also, or comfort. Uh, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I gave thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Drop down to verse number 6. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Drop down to verse number 12. uh, Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis which labored much in the Lord. There's three uh, feminine names, women's names. Verse 15, salute Philogius and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Paul held these women in very high esteem. He was not anti-women by any stretch of the imagination. Now, most generally, people have an issue with 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but don't forget that 1 Corinthians was written to a church who had had things completely out of whack. And so he had to correct a few things that were going on. Now, he outlines a few things in that that some might take as offensive. But in the context, it had to do with worship services and, more important, the free-for-all interruptions. That was only a small portion when he dealt with women in that, in that passage. That was only a small portion uh, of what was all going on. It was a free-for-all. People were coming in and doing whatever they wanted and trying to pass it off as the work of the Lord. But Paul here in Philippians chapter number 4, just as he does in, Romans, or in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, he does not focus on the problem, but focuses on the solution, Namely this, unity in Christ. Apparently, Iodius and sintiki they had some sort of argument and some sort of clash. Uh, one of them liked purple, the other one liked green, and they couldn't decide what color the chairs in the sanctuary ought to be. I don't know. Whatever it may have been, it, it could have been something very simple. It could have been something very, very big. But there was some sort of dissension that took place and some sort of disunity that happened. And what does he say? He says, I beseech them that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Why? Because they were highly valuable to him. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have said anything. He would just let it go. But not only were they of great value to him, so was the unity in the household of faith of great value to him. You see, Paul wants reconciliation to take place. He wants there to be this this healing. But but he also, he encourages in verse number 3, he says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel. (laughs) In other words, quit sitting around doing nothing. He says they're at odds with one another. Help them Reconcile. Understand this, reconciliation always involves giving. Uh, it, let's, let's say that I have a, uh, uh, an issue. Let's say Troy and I are at odds with one another, and he, he doesn't uh, like when something takes place, and I like it when something takes place, and man, we are just clashing like you wouldn't believe. And I mean, it is just ugly, and if either one of us had hair, we'd be pulling it out. Now, we get into this position where we're arguing, we're going back and forth. One of us has to give. And he is looking this direction and I am looking this direction and we're going to continue to run into one another. We're going to continue to butt heads until someone decides, I'm going to give up. And I'm going to look the same direction you are. And eventually we both... Stop looking at each other. Now, the quickest way to conflict resolution is, a, is sitting across a table with one another. The one person is looking at you, and then I'm looking at them. And I turn it around and say, okay, rather than me looking at Troy, I need to look at Andy. And what is Andy's problem? Now, he and I are both looking the same direction. And we're in unity. But there's something a little bit different when we talk about this unity within the household of God. You see, when love prevails among believers, especially, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. Whenever there is dissension, whenever there is disunity, the opportunity arises, greatly arises, for the world to get to see Jesus Christ in how we treat and how we react to one another. I I wanted to give you just a couple quotes on this, and so I found two great, great quotes on this, one from Charles Spurgeon. He says, to remain divided is sinful. Let that one sink in for just a moment. To remain divided is sinful. Wow, that's an awful big one. He says this, Did not our Lord pray that they may be one even as we are one? See John 17 verse 22. Now, a chorus of ecumenical voices, he says, keep harping the unity tune. What they are saying is Christians of all doctrinal shades and beliefs must come together in one visible organization. Regardless, unite, unite. But such teaching is false, reckless, and dangerous. Truth alone must determine our alignments. Truth comes before unity. Unity without truth is hazardous. and our Lord's Prayer, in John chapter 17, we must read it in its full context. Verse 17 of chapter 17 of the book of John says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Only those sanctified through the word of God can be one in Christ. To teach otherwise is to betray, is to betray the gospel. Now, some may say, well, you know, people can, people can be united. Listen, just, just being in union does not mean you are united. And if someone disagrees with that, try tying two cats together at the tail, hang them over a clothesline and see what happens. They're in union, but they ain't united. A.W. Tozer, in his work, The Pursuit of God, says this, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to one another? They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become united and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. Let's see if I can say it this way. We should always desire to aid those of the household of faith to move toward holiness. If we're not cautious, our focus is all about me and you and you and her and her and him and everybody around. We need to make sure that we are all looking to one another. No, 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 no. Do not look to me. Look to Jesus. Do not try to unite with me. Unite with Jesus. And if I'm moving toward Jesus and you're moving toward Jesus, guess what? We will start to unite with one another. That's the way it needs to be. But if I'm walking toward you while you're walking toward God, I'm going to be chasing you around all over the block. And then I'm going to get frustrated The question that we want to look at with all of this is, with whom, or perhaps should I say, with what, are you united? See, these two women, highly valued, had some sort of rift, but he not only speaks for them to reconcile, but he speaks for the leadership. He says, look, all the rest of you folks, help them unite. How? by standing fast in the Lord. I, I, I like pictures. I like pictures. So let's, let's take a look at it this way. You see, most of us view, uh, view our situation uh, this way. I have my way and you have your way. And, and you need to see things my way, and you need to come walk my way, and I need to see things your way, and I need to walk your way. And so what happens is as we cling to our opinions and we start to walk, we end up making ourselves uh, further and further apart. And the more I focus on my wants, my desires, my feelings, my opinions, and you focus on your desires and your opinions, we start moving further and further away. And we wonder why disunity comes into the picture. Because here we are, moving along further, further, and further up, away from one another. And so how do we get in unity? You see the triangle? (laughs) We're moving the wrong direction. Let's flip that triangle over for a second. And the question of how do we get to unity? We are so far apart. What, what can we do? He says this and she says that. And, and you can take this in the household of faith. You can take this in a marriage situation. You can take this in the home. My, my daughter, or my son, or my, my brother, my sister, my employee, my employer. This is how we can move things the right direction. You see, I introduced something else. I introduced God's Word. And now my direction is toward God, and by God's grace, hopefully and prayerfully, your direction also is toward God's Word. We must have a common good, or a common goal, should I say, in view. Now, as I abandon my way, And I start to move toward God's Word. And as you abandon your way and start to move towards God's Word, we start to come a little closer together. You see, my desire to be like Christ drives me to His Word. And unity is not about compromise. Unity is about following Him together. This is where we've got to be careful. It's not a matter of, well, they just won't come along to my way of thinking and and they won't come along to my way of thinking. No, what it is is I am moving toward Jesus and anyone, anyone, anywhere who is also moving toward Jesus will easily unite with me. This is what the Scriptures teach. This is why we stand fast. In the Lord. Now, with all of this in mind, and we make our way closer and closer to God, and we become closer and closer with one another, I'm not trying to see things your way, and I'm not trying to get you to see things my way. I'm just moving toward Christ. And by God's grace, so are you. The question that I must ask, as I look in the mirror, of God's word, is what is most important to you? What is most important? Is it of utmost importance that I get my way? Well, they didn't do it the way I wanted to do it. Well, they, well, I'm taking my bat and ball. I'm going home. What is of most importance? You see, Paul notes how these women are fellow laborers of the gospel. And also they are fellow citizens. Look at verse three. I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and with other of my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Understand something, if I can't get along with you here, how in the world am I going to enjoy eternity with you? (laughs) He says, "These these are godly women whose names are written in the book of life. Help them unite in Christ. Help them get over this issue. He wasn't trying to beat anybody down. If anybody was in trouble, it was the people who weren't helping them. What does he say? (laughs) He says, bring them together. Why? Go back to chapter 3. Don't forget. This book was not written with chapter and verse divisions. It was all one big letter. And notice what he says in verse 20 of chapter 3, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. I am citizens of His kingdom. You are citizens of his kingdom. And so let's not worry about who's wearing what colors, who's rooting for what team, because we are all, if we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are all members of the same household. We are all, if we are born again by the Spirit of God, we are all to be moving toward holiness. And that we can unite. We can unite. Our Father, we come before You, Lord, recognizing that it's not always easy It's not always easy moving in the right direction. However, we also recognize that all things are possible with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, can we simply lay aside our personal heart's desires as you replace those with your Word and the mind of Your dear Son. Help us, Father, to give up self and embrace Jesus Christ. For me, to live as Christ. That we would have a desire to know Jesus more and more. And that we would be conformed to His death more and more. And that we would experience and understand the power of His resurrection. Father, we pray these things in Your Son's name. Believing that You'll do them. For it's in His name we pray these things.